Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. From time to time, we all misplace things or lose something. It's almost human nature to do so. But what happens when a government, or more specifically, a government agency, loses something that makes you concerned for your own safety? Well, it makes you concerned for the country's safety. Something so powerful that you can't believe they lost it. Well, you get the story of the CIA in the height of the Cold War losing a nuke. But before I get into this history... Nick, how are you, and what are you drinking? I am doing great, and I'm drinking some Bud Light, and I feel like it's uh, just somewhere with the Lost Ark. We got top men working on it. (laughs) Well, I'm joining you with some Clyde Mays, and uh, to me, it's very surprising that a government could lose anything. I don't know about you, but nothing says confidence like the U.S. Sorry, I couldn't get through that statement with a straight face. Ugh. This is a story of failure, repetition, and something so profound, I'm surprised it isn't a movie yet. It's the 1960s, America and Russia, the forefront of espionage, and fighting a war in the shadows. A war between democracy and communism. Well, to strengthen communism in the world, Russia has been assisting other communist countries. One specific one to become a powerful force on the global board. China. China, a communist dictatorship led by Mao Zedong, was increasing his country's arsenal, more specifically his nuclear arsenal, and by 1964 in China's Operation 59-6, they tested tested a nuclear device 50% more powerful than the bomb America dropped on Hiroshima. And what was concerning to the Americans, and her allies even more, the nuclear bomb that was tested was uranium, not plutonium. The difference between the two, well, to put an analogy, plutonium bombs are like more black powder. Uranium is more like plastic explosives. Both are extremely dangerous, but one takes more science and engineering to accomplish than the other. With this new threat realized, America decided that they needed to dedicate more resources on spying, spying and monitoring China. But there was a problem. How do you do so? Satellites do not yet have the capability Man hasn't even gone to the moon yet. Spies, well, that's a risky gamble. And the current radio technology, extremely limited. And by limited, I mean if there wasn't a clear line of sight, relatively close to the testing, it wouldn't work. The CIA and the U.S. government would ponder and try to come up with unique solutions for this problem. But it wouldn't be until a cocktail party where an idea would form. A General Curtis Lee May, who has his own extreme weird life, which he'll definitely be getting his own episode, and a mountaineer, Barry Bishop, would meet and talk. After talking with Bishop, Lee May would be inspired to put a radio technology on the world's greatest mountain range. Lee May wanted to put a radio on the Himalayas. And thus, Operation HAT was born. HAT, standing for High Altitude Test, funny enough, when the radio was being carried, It is described by the members of Operation Hat that it actually looked like a a stovepipe hat. 
The CIA would reach out to the Indian government to get their assistance and green light, which is surprising to me. The CIA had a tendency to do what it liked, but I think they knew it was a 100% chance they would say yes, especially at this time period when India just got done fighting a war with China a few years earlier. I guess the enemy of my enemy is my friend. The CIA decided to put the radio not on the tallest Himalayan mountain. No, that'd be crazy. So they chose the second highest mountain. They chose Nanda Devi, a mountain with its peak about 25,643 feet tall. It happens to be also surrounded by circular mountains, a circular mountain range composed of 10,000 plus tall mountains. A place so isolated, there is a valley in this circular mountain range that is called a sanctuary. It is called that because it is so untouched and hard to get to. So hard, the British explorers who first made it to the sanctuary said it was harder to make than making it to the North Pole. And from there, you're not even done. You still have to summit Navidavi itself. A mountain at this time that had only been summited by six people and three others who tried but died. The CIA said, not a problem. Hold my beer. I think a more apt turn of phrase would be hold my cocaine. <laughs> well, initially, they ran into some problems. The first being that they realized they couldn't fly to the peak. Second, this radio tower would have to be unmanned and self-sufficient. And thirdly, survive the weather and isolation of having no infrastructure on top of a mountain. The first problem, not being able to fly there, that's fine. We'll just get some mountain climbers to carry the equipment up the mountain. The second problem, and the third problem, they turn to America's space program to solve. You see, years earlier, NASA and other agencies developed a device called a SNAP, which stands for Systems Nuclear Auxiliary Power. SNAPs are small radioactive thermoelectric generators initially designed for space travel. In short, the nuclear batteries, and CIA just asked, nah, forget space, we need one for a radio tower. The SNAP being used in Operation Hat would contain seven plutonium capsules and weigh about 125 pounds altogether, along with other equipment of having a 10-foot tall antenna and two transceivers. Easy peasy, just get that extra weight up one of the hardest mountains ever to climb. With the battery solved and an idea how to get the tower up the mountain, the CIA began recruiting mountain climbers to help them complete their mission. And in case you didn't know, the CIA doesn't just have dozens of mountain climbers on hand. They would have to recruit 14 American climbers and four Indian climbers. The CIA would initiate American climbers with a guaranteed $1,000 a month paycheck at and at that time in today's money would be about $9,500 to $14,000 a month. Mission that everyone involved would believe would take about a year long or more. And to add on to the nice pay, if there were any hiccups, the CIA would step in to help smooth those out. For example, one climber was in graduate school working two jobs trying to support a family. So obviously money was important, but the CIA also apparently talked with the dean and convinced him to drop the academic requirements so he could graduate early. I wish I had that when I went to college. With the 14 mountain climbers assembled, they started doing training exercises to get the team used to one another. The government would start to give crash courses in nuclear safety management, which fell on deaf ears. One climber who was in the training said the training was, and I quote, were just meant to impress us and waste a lot of time. 
Or as another climber put it, we spent most of our time playing volleyball and doing some serious drinking. Not exactly what you want to hear about mountain climbers who have no nuclear experience about to climb a mountain with a nuke tied to their back. After some training and exercises, the CIA narrowed the 14 Americans down to nine. Funny enough, the man who got his degree early wasn't chosen as part of the nine. And in 1965, America's got their team and the Indian members together to do a final training exercise. The full team would do a joint operation and would take on Mount McKinley in Alaska, America's tallest mountain. The training went terrible. Not the team's fault. The weather turned on them and made the conditions impossible. See, I say, eh, good enough. Continue on with Operation Hat. It is important to note that Operation Hat, Navidavi, the mountain itself was given the name Blue Mountain for a code name. Now, this was either for a rare blue sheep that's found in the Himalayas or after the goddess in Hindu mythology. Couldn't figure out which one was true and which one was false. And in the fall of 1965, the team was in India. The team leader was Indian's own Mohammedan Singh Kohli, one of the India's most experienced climbers. After arriving in India, the team would take a helicopter to get close to the mountain. They wanted to avoid as many eyes as possible, especially if you're doing espionage. Plus, having nine of the some of the whitest guys on earth in India carrying a heavy metal box that irradiates heat might be hard to keep a low profile if you have to go through town. The climb begins, 13 mountain climbers carrying a radioactive battery up the second biggest mountain in the Himalayas. What could go wrong? The team members would take turn carrying the snap, describing the heat that they felt while climbing through the snowy mountains as extremely warm through the snow. All in all, the team was making excellent progress, given conditions. Climbing peaks, having decent weather, and making good time. It actually seemed like this mission wasn't just possible, but it was actually going to happen. More than a few months would pass, and then October would happen. The team would reach about the 24,000 foot mark, less than 2,000 feet away from the summit, their final destination. A strong storm would hit them. This blizzard made all the experienced climbers have an oh shit moment. The team leader, Mahonong Singhi Koli, decided, fuck the mission, save the men. He made the call to pull the climbers back and to stash the radio equipment, including the battery, so all his men could get to safety. The plan was to leave it in a caravan and simply return after winter and finish the mountain. This time, not having to carry extra of 100 pounds of the equipment up the mountain. The team would make it to safety, but force them to return to base. I can't imagine on how hard it had to be to be that close to one of the tallest mountains to summit with a nuke tied to your back just to be forced to turn around. Not sure if you were going to be disappointed or proud about that accomplishment. Well, like it's been said, all snow melts. After winter, the team would return to retrieve and finish the mission. Only one problem. The nuke was missing. Not sure where it was most likely gone to. Biggest theories was it was taken by a landslide or a blizzard. So the team, who just climbed one again, the hardest mountains in the world, realized the nuke's not there, there was nothing else they could do, they had to return once more. Now, the CIA wasn't too thrilled about losing a nuke, as you can imagine, so they immediately started putting together a search and recovery team. The search and recovery team would also have the task of putting a different radioactive power radio on a different mountain, because at first, if you don't succeed, try, try again. But instead of putting it on code uh, the mountain codenamed Blue Mountain, 
they would choose a smaller mountain next to it called Navi Kot, which they named Red Mountain. Real original there, boys. This mission, since it's a smaller mountain, they would send five mountaineers in 1967 to retrieve and set up the new radio. This mission also had hiccups. While trying to put up the tower in the Red Mountain, two men nearly died from an avalanche. But luckily, they were able to escape from death and put up the tower. After putting up the antenna and returning back to base, a year would pass and the antenna would break from a winter storm. So, the CIA would send another team to fix it. It is now 1968, three years after initial Operation Hat started. And guess what? After they fixed it, the antenna would break again due to weather. Only this time, the CIA did not care as much. New advances in technology came through making the tower basically obsolete. So now instead of trying to repair the tower, the team was tasked to just pick up the radioactive material and still try to find the original radioactive material. Well, the original radioactive battery, still missing. Missing for about three years at this point. Seven to eight more missions and over 200 people working on this operation, they never found the first plutonium battery. Something I thought was funny, you know when you're doing an operation, Nick, and you're trying to keep a low profile, you know, the first mission they flew by helicopter not to send out. Nick, do you want to take a guess on how the other missions went and how they camouflaged in the country to do cam- to do operations? I mean, the adjective that comes to my mind is not well, but I- I'm curious what you're going to say. Well, the CIA thought it was a good idea that the light-skinned members of the team would wear makeup to darken their face to look like native Indians, quite literally doing brown face to try to camouflage in. Though stupid, it actually might have worked. Because the CIA and the Indian officials could not find the seven cores of plutonium from the original battery, Indian's government would send, would send teams to monitor the water coming from the mountain to make sure the water wasn't becoming radioactively poisoned to their people. Now, I think it's a good point to point out that this mountain range that the CIA was putting nuclear batteries on, it's the headwater for the Ganges, the river in which hundreds of millions of people depend on. Oops. <laughs> yeah, big oops. Luckily, no spikes or evidence of radioactivity in the water in the river. At least that's what they say. The best guess of what people think happened to the plutonium is that a storm took it, and it's in one of the Himalayas' many glaciers. But, like many things, and during the Cold War, there are lots of rumors. Some of the rumors include Pakistan agents climbed the mountain just to seal the plutonium, and some other extreme possibilities. Overall, this story was supposed to die in history never see the day of light. Until the 1970s, a journalist by the name of Howard Kahn, who was writing for the Outside Magazine, not Rolling Stones, he was not at the Rolling Stones yet, he did write a nuclear story for the Rolling Stones about another nuclear cover-up, but Operation Hat was the Outside Magazine where he was working at. It pissed me off researching this article on how many times people made that mistake over and over again. Anyhow... When the story was or about to be published, a lot of government documents began to fly all over the place. Even a letter was made to the President of the United States that the article was coming out. All in all, once the article was released, nothing came out of it. No big publicity or more investigation was done. Some books and interviews were made, but that's the only major thing that comes from it is sometimes the people in India blame a bad flood on the CIA losing a nuke in their mountain range. And that's... That's the story. You have 
The CIA took some mountain climbers, strapped a nuke to their back, and sent them up a near-impossible mountain. And they were surprised when the mountain climbers lost the nuke. And I do have to say, I have read so many declassified documents on this. Well, not many, but about a dozen. Reading declassified documents, they suck. I do not like... That is... That's a hard read. But yeah, Nick, that's the story. CIA sent some random mountain climbers up a mountain with nukes tied to their back. And now that nuke is still somewhere in the Himalayan range. I feel like someone's got it. I feel like we should be able to find that, especially now, if it was still out there. You'd be surprised. But hopefully someone did find it. Because I would like it not to poison the water for millions of people. With that being said, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.